Hello there, I'm Karen Sander. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly, a program for the over 50s, those uniquely wonderful baby boomers. My aim is to educate, motivate and inspire you to embrace the exciting journey of life for decades to come. So stay tuned to meet a variety of guests who will share their stories and passions to help us gain insight into the ways to live a happier, healthier life. Hi, welcome everyone. This is Karen from Aging Fearlessly and I am here in Lightning Ridge with Vicky Bokris, the owner and founder of Down to Earth Opals. Welcome Vicky. Thank you. And your husband Andrew's here with yes. you and I believe you both just got hitched. We just got hitched in the Litch. Oh. <laughs> so Litchfield National Park, we, um, we decided to, yeah, elope. A loaf. I like it. <laughs> Saves a lot of money. It does save a lot of money. It was a combined sort of fiftieth birthday present and and this gorgeous ring. Oh my goodness! <laughs> did you design it or did Andrew actually purchased the opal and he designed the ring and had it made by two jewelers and proposed. So pretty lucky keeper. I said he yes, is, of course. He, yeah, I just, I mean, that is seriously gorgeous. Being an opal dealer for 30 years, he knew he had to do something fairly impressive. Uh, I, uh, well, you really wanted this woman's what I can say, Andrew. Well done, you. And there is significance to that opal. It's actually an opalized fossil. Ah. So um, we have... The world's most incredible opalized fossils that are found here in Lightning Ridge and miners are like amateur paleontologists. They don't know what they're finding. So this is what we call a yabby button and it's concave and convex. On the convex side you can see the sort of imprint of what is called a gastrolith. It's in the back of the neck of a yabby. It has an exoskeleton. When they lose their skeleton, uh, lose their shell, sorry, and want to grow the new one as they expand, then they swallow the gastrolith because it's full of calcium and that grows the new shell. In a 110 million year old yabby, the gastrolith is the only part of, of the abbey that um, uh, fossilizes, and this one in this case has opalized. Super rare, super rare. Only found on the Cookerin opal fields. That's what it looks like when it's not set. So um, if you go fishing, you'll see on the riverbeds little white discs like this, but they're just white because they're 100% calcium. But in 110 million year old yabby that's about this big they're fossilized and then opalized unbelievable and that's what that is can i take this with me you because sure can. not my ring oh. <laughs> but you can have the postcard <laughs> oh so generous i knew you were generous um no because um, i'm going to put this on my on the podcast yeah so people can it's see. amazing so vicky in 19 91 i'm going back 30 years yes. you made an amazing sea change from the gold coast yes to lightning ridge yeah what the heck for i know <laughs> 
It's pretty crazy. So um, a mutual friend, I used to manage um, four bikini boutiques Woo-hoo. in Surface Paradise. Lightning Ridge is the only country town I've ever lived in in my life. I'm from a very city-fied family and I'm the youngest out of five. So um, they were pretty shocked. But a friend of mine would come into the bikini boutique and show me all these little coloured bits of glass and they had like $5,000, $10,000 price tags and I just thought, is this guy mad? You know, like what are these little stones? And he said, oh, it's opal. And there were lots of beautiful opal shops in Surface Paradise at that time and he was wholesaling. He invited us out to come out for a drive because it, the drive is such a Not, long drive. Yeah. And when I came out and sat next to him while he was buying, he was a wholesaler, buying rough opal from the miners, I just saw the exchange of lots of cash. <laughs> yes. That's, uh, for that's for these tiny little stones with all this beautiful colour, and I was 19 at the time. And um, I thought, wow. And I was with my former husband. And we, we just couldn't believe what we were seeing. And so we went back to the coast and this friend of ours said, there it is, you've seen what you can do and what you can achieve out here. All this amazing rough opal, you can buy it, cut it and polish it. That's your lesson, you're on your own. Very generous. Leave me here. Yeah. <laughs> so we travelled back and forth. And did... Were you sort of like, well, do I do this or don't I? Was yeah, it was pretty challenging. Uh, my so my former husband said to me, we should have a go at this, and I, I'm a bit of a risk taker, you know. And youngest out of five, I was you know happy to to be in a bit of an adventurer, and um, we came out with five hundred bucks in our pocket, and. Um, went down the street and back then there were miners walking around the street in their, you know, old stubbies and their little singlets and buckets of rough with colour and whatever and they saw we were green, you know, totally new and we bought a parcel of rough, we took it to a cutter because we didn't know anything but we just saw pretty colours and they cleaned it up and it didn't clean up and didn't cut anything. So $500 gone. gone. That Gone. That was a gamble. It was a gamble. We had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an expensive good time and went back to the coast saved some more money came back because we thought you know this mate of ours he's making squillions we must be able to nail this so we came back bought um, another five hundred dollars spent some more money on some rough opal again lost the money so this the third time we thought, well, we'll buy cut stones, something that's already finished, cut and polished. And um, the dealer that we purchased from, he said, I guarantee you will get a 20% return. And we thought, well, 20% is better than nothing. And we did. We bought finished stones and we took them to Sydney and I had a little kangaroo skin pouch yes. <laughs> with about 20 opals in there and we priced them. We just had to make it up because we didn't know <laughs> what they were worth. Just yeah. And we knocked on doors. We ripped the opal section out of the yellow pages and um, knocked on doors. Some people wouldn't let us in and others said, come in. And some of the opal dealers 
that I met on that very first day, on my first plane ride, on my first trip to Sydney, I'm still dealing with today, 30 years later. Well, that later. says a lot. Yeah, so that was the start. We took a caravan out to Lightning Ridge and thought we would do our six-month apprenticeship. So what's an apprenticeship like here for a female in a male dominated town you were a young woman mm, had you turned 20 21 by just turning time? just turned 20 so tell me about that it was pretty crazy jackhammers <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i need to know <laughs> i was thinking of doing apprenticeship this might turn me off but go on <laughs> well you walk into the pub and you get a lot of looks up down and around and around and you're gorgeous you're... now so you must have been <laughs> stunning you. then it was pretty crazy uh fresh from the gold coast dressed in white you know the white jeans the white shirt gold sandals wrong colors big hair yeah yeah <laughs> wrong colors for the outback um yeah it was a challenge and you I'm a very outgoing person but I found myself being very quiet and just withdrawing because it's a lot of men and like there were at that point in time I remember thinking where are all the children or young or just youth teenagers but a lot of them were away for school yeah so you just and most of the women were working either in the school or in the supermarket or any or in the ho um, hospital or whatever. So you didn't see many women in the street, and yeah, it was tough. It was really tough, and I questioned, definitely questioned what I was doing there. But I thought, well, it's an adventure, and if it doesn't work out, we'll just head back to the coast. But I took um, opal cutting lessons with one of the best opal cutters in the industry at the time, and he was in his 70s then. His name was Julius, and he was a lovely old man, and he taught me how to cut um, really well. Like He was the best. He cut for international buyers all over the world as well as for the local miners. Mm -hmm. And I also was taught by another fellow. So... Um, both of us learnt to cut and polish and we were doing this from our annex that was attached to the caravan <laughs> and my family were going when are you coming home you know they're ringing me going when are you getting back here and I'm just like yeah we'll be home soon but six months turned into eight months and then I said to my ex well if we're going to stay here any longer I can't live in a caravan <laughs> At yep. the because waking up at one o'clock in the morning having to do a pee and you've got to walk over the other oh, side no. to go to the bathroom is not fun. You weren't squatting outside your tent. No, <laughs> no, we had neighbours. <laughs> but don't worry, our neighbours were probably doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be me. <laughs> so we got um, we got a bit of a process happening. We invested in a cutting opal cutting machine. And, and taught ourselves, just kept practising and practising. And um, eventually got a collection of stones together. But unfortunately, the, the opals that we had were of the lower range, grey. lower yeah. grade, because that's all we could afford. And we weren't working. We had our business on, on the coast, which we try and drain some money out of, but we weren't working. So um, I would go and see the opal buyers in town, sit at the Black Opal Motel, and um, it was notorious back then. There, you would have to line up at 4 a.m. to get your spot in the queue, and you wanted to be in the first five. 
for when the Japanese buyers flew in from Sydney. Because mm, they were the ones ready with the money to... They had briefcases full of cash. And if you weren't in the top five to ten, forget it, because they would have spent all their money by that stage. Wow. So you'd get there at 4 or 5 a.m. to put your name on the board. And here's this chick from the Gold Coast with all the men, the miners, drinking Turkish coffee with whiskey. And I'm just standing there going... I've got a little bag of opals. You know? it, it must have been daunting. It was scary. It was really scary. It was my introduction to business. My ex was, um, you know, always, oh, we got into mining. So he was always out mining at that point. And I was in charge of sales. And I, even though I was in sales in Bikini Boutique, it was very different to being pushed right at the front in your own business mm. with no experience mm. in a mining town. I... I can feel how you're talking, that how tough it was. I can just oh, imagine. Even... And, you know, some of these guys must have been quite intimidating. They were. They were very intimidating. Um, it was just, and also a lot older than me at the time, and I didn't know what I was doing, and so I just sort of sat in the corner. Fake and... it till you make it? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, fake it. <laughs> And um, you'd go in to see those Japanese buyers. You'd try and sell something. When you come out, all of those miners, how much did you sell? What are they buying? And everybody wants to know everything. And you would just, yeah, it was intimidating, very intimidating. But it was worth it. Yeah. Because they paid. They paid a lot of money for Opal. It was the heyday at the time. Mm -hmm. And... um, yeah, so you just persist, you, you keep going. But as soon as you're in, you're out and you go back home. <laughs> and, you, you know, you had time on jackhammers and... We did. So uh, we got into mining and we bought um, just the basic mining equipment and um, at our own claim, I was down below pushing the rickshaw and doing a bit of jackhammering, but my job was to push that rickshaw so it would be filled with dirt was very heavy. I don't know how heavy it was, but on a number of occasions it would fall back and smash you on the shins. Oh, my God. And you've just got to suck it up, you know, oh <laughs> lift it up. And even though you're bleeding and bruised, you lift that rickshaw up and you keep wheeling it down the, the tunnel, so to speak, of the, the drive of the mine. And you, we had to just push it down and lift it up and pull it, push it into the crane bucket because we had a massive crane with a, I don't know how many feet long this bucket was to fill. And you just keep going until you find Opal. So I guess you didn't need a gym. No. <laughs> <laughs> gym memberships in life. No, when you're they Opal exist, mining. They just send you down yeah. the mine, push that bucket. It's, it's your fitness class. Oh, like, I, I tell you, Opal miners, uh, they are incredible. They really are. They're, they're so fit and strong and strong-hearted and strong-minded. Yeah, I like that strong-hearted and strong-minded. But it brings me to this business at times for a minor must be an emotional roller coaster. It is. It's because um, it can make or break you. And even if you've found Opal, even if you've found the million-dollar pocket, which is what every miner is looking for it's their dream and when you're down the claim 
and all, all the conditions look perfect for formation. You've got really good moist clay level and a nice solid roof and it's crumbly clay and you're digging away and you see potch and you might see a couple of knobbies but with no colour and you can smell the, the moisture in the clay and it smells good and you're digging away and then you keep following the trace and then, you go, and then you're digging away and you're loading that truck, tonnes of dirt, and at the end of the week, you wash it. And you're washing that dirt. It all costs money. Well, as you're washing and digging, you, you're spending hundreds of dollars of fuel mm. and, and physical labour, hard labour on your body. Time, and, yeah, fuel, and no money. Labor, and no, no money. money. And then you come to what's called the tail out, which is at the end of the week... You put that agitator in reverse and out tumbles the um, processed dirt and you're looking for that bling, <laughs> those beautiful colours that, you know, shine in the sun and if there's nothing, you start all over again. And that must be almost like, oh, my God, I it's have to start again. And I think the whole thing of, well, next, how, how, what's the drive? What gets them up to go next? It's... It's the thrill of the chase of that elusive gem because when you're digging and all of a sudden, whether it's the jackhammer or the digger, and it makes a sort of a sound like broken glass and you stop and you're the first person to see something that was um, formed over 60 million years ago and there's this beautiful colour and it always looks better down below than it does above ground because it's new. So the lights just flash (laughs) and you go, wow, and there it is. And whether it's five bucks, 50 bucks or 50 million, at that point in time, it's such a rush because it's colour and you can have... Any other gemstone or gold or silver or whatever it is, but with opal, because it has play of colour, it's talking to you, it's moving. So it's magic. It's real magic. It's Mother Nature magic. It's, it's romantic. It's beautiful. It's emotional. And that's what keeps you going. I can hear your passion. Yeah. Uh, it, it almost <laughs> it brings me to, to hear your passion brings me to like, oh, my God, this is something that you... When someone really loves what they do, it's um, it's just wonderful. It it's is. A, it's a it's a beautiful moment. Thank you for sharing this. It <laughs> really you. is just. Um, I can see what you described it, and I could see myself being the miner in that mine, then seeing that piece of color. Mm. And believe me, I'm addicted to color. Yeah. <laughs> Colour is, colour is what will get me through the front door of a shop. <laughs> um, I love colour. And, I, yeah, thank you. For, yeah. It was beautifully described. Thank you. If you ever been completely, absolutely running out of money, you know, and about to throw your hands in the air and say enough? Yes. Every miner has been down and out on their luck. And we were at one point down to our... I guess our last $500, literally nothing really in the bank account to speak of. We were eating baked beans on toast. Seriously. That's really good when you've got to go Which I like and push anyway. those trolleys and <laughs> yeah. get enough energy. You know, oh, I'll have baked beans on toast yeah. tonight and then I'll go down and push that trolley. Nothing wrong with the old baked beans yeah. on toast. Um, I had been out trying to sell the 
the stones that we had. I wasn't having any luck. And when I came home, um, um, my ex had purchased one piece of rough, like one knobby, a round nodular formation, sand all over the outside with a tiny dot of red just showing on the edges. And he said, oh, I've just bought this. What did you pay? $500. Did you just throw a saucepan at him? I, I, more than that. I said some choice words, as they say. <laughs> um, I did the usual, what? What are you doing? We've got no money. Bra, 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 bra. <laughs> and um, so after I, I had to calm down, and then he took it to the grinding wheel. And what you do when um, a knobby opal is showing colour on the edges, you grind just gently around the edge to join the dots, so to speak, to join the colour, to see where, the, where that bar of colour is going. And as he kept grinding it away, it all joined up to a clean bar right around the edges. So then the next move is to, to decide which is the top and which is the bottom. Do that, and then you start grinding the top off. And it revealed the most incredible red on black opal. And that's what we're all looking for, red on black. Because you might not like red, but that's what the buyers want. That's what the overseas dealers want at that point in time. It is the highly prized red on black. It's the most rare. And here is this gorgeous colour and it was... it was displayed in what's called ribbon pattern, where when you move the stone, it was like a ribbon and it would move up and down and up and down in red and blue. And when you get red and blue combination together, it's the ultimate. Wow. Were you just like uh, blown away? I, I was. I was speechless and I was crying and, and, and then I said, stop, because... Even though we'd been cutting for a while, we weren't experienced in top gem. So we took it to our friend to cut it. And back then you would pay a percentage of the sale of the stone of how much it was sold for as the cutting fee. But we didn't have any money. And so our mate, Chris, he cut the stone for a carton of beer. So off I went with probably the last 20 bucks in my bank account to go buy him a carton of beer because in Lightning Ridge, it's one of the few places still now that you can get anything done for a carton of beer. (laughs) (laughs) So I could have just come for a carton of beer today. Totally. (laughs) And so he cut the opal. It was 5.4 carats from memory. And when um, I said to him, how much do you think it's worth? And he said 5,000. And we both went up. Cool. 500, 5,000. Perfect. And then he said to me, um, do you know, I said to him, do you know anyone that could buy this? And he said, yes, Len Cram, he's a famous opal photographer and author of opal. And he lives here. I didn't know Len Cram and I went and saw him and I said to him, do you want to buy my opal? (laughs) Very innocent. Yeah, yes, and very he naive. Said, yeah, and he was probably in his sixties back then. And he said to me, "Oh, how much do you want for it?" And I said, five thousand. And he said, "What's your name?" And I told him, Vicky Bolcross. He says, "Well, well, love, your opal is worth a lot more than five thousand. I'd buy it from you from that for that, but I don't want to do you out of a lot of money." And he put us in contact with a very um, wealthy family in Sydney 
that purchase high-end gems only. Not just opal, Thanks. but gems in general. Pearl, diamonds, sapphires, ruby, everything. And they flew to Lightning Ridge to come and see this stone. But Len Cram also said, this is not just any red on black, it's a name stone. And I said, what's a name stone? I don't, what's a name stone? What do we call it? Charlie? Fred? You know, <laughs> well, we didn't know anything. And he said, the pattern is very distinct, very rare, and the colour and the colour play and the combination of the colour play and pattern. Um, you need to call it something that relates to you. So my ex said, I want to name it the Southern Princess because it's from the Southern Hemisphere and um, my wife is from originally from Melbourne. She's my Southern Princess. And so that was the name of the stone. He photographed the opal and he put it in, he featured in a lot of his books. The couple came from Sydney and we arranged to meet at the Black Opal Motel because that's where all the deals Sounds, go yes. down. <laughs> and I was as nervous as hell because, again, I bet I'm thrown into the, the face of, of the business, which is really where I'm supposed to be now in hindsight. But um, at the time, it was very nerve-wracking for a very expensive stone. And Len said, I said to him, how much do I tell him? And he said, start at 20000 and I went in there, hello, <laughs> and shrunk. And, you know, I, I'm not sure. Imposter so, syndrome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I shrunk in size. And they're looking at it, mm, 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 you know, and asked me what my price was. And I said, 20000 you know, and I really, you know, piked up. And she offered me, um, I think it was 16000 and... I said, and then all of a sudden I found my negotiating skills, which I never knew I had, and I said, I'll take 18. <laughs> and, and as soon as I said it, I, was, I just went, oh, my God, I can't believe I just did that, you know. And we settled on, I think, 17,000. And I walked out of there with the cash just going, wow, how many pairs of shoes could I buy with that money? <laughs> You're a woman after my yeah. own heart. Yes, a lot of shoes. I did. That was the first thing that went through my head. And then I went home. Except in Lightning Ridge, you can't really wear heels. No. But Otherwise, that... you'll fall over in the dirt. I know, that... but it doesn't matter. You buy them anyway. <laughs> you put them there. I have a very nice shoe shelf. Oh, they look nice. I'll wear those one day. I had yes. to put an extension on the house for <laughs> Yeah, my wardrobe's pretty serious. Oh, I love it. I love it. So one of the first things when I moved to Lightning Ridge, even with the caravan, as I drove in, I remember saying clearly and out loud, there is no way known I would live in this town ever. We're here for our apprenticeship. I couldn't believe, because I had never seen people live in what you would call a humpy or... Yeah, yeah. Shanty style accommodation. I'd only ever seen that on TV in foreign countries. I didn't know that existed. And and I thought, when I came in here, I thought, wow, Lightning Ridge is like a third world country. Mm -hmm. And it was shocking. I mean, it's a lot better now than what it is then. But it, I, I remember saying, there's no way. So with the proceeds of the Southern Princess, what did we do? We bought a camp. And we bought a humpy out on the field. <laughs> 
<laughs> we, had, we had a long drop for a dunny that had a concrete rock. I've got photos of it somewhere, but it was like concrete with raw rocks built up like that and then the black toilet seat on the top. And the tour bus, the Black Opal tour bus, used to come past our place all the time because it was quite a cute little camp. And they'd, and they'd point out our camp to the tourists and they would always happen to come by when you're running out to the, the dunny. Oh, God. <laughs> so you got caught every time, but we didn't have a sh- proper shower. We had a sh- like a camp shower bag. We would often go to the ball bath just like all the old miners did. And, of course, I was never going to do that. And here I was down at the ball, the ball bath, bath using the facilities down there because that was where the camp was. But the camp, there was something special about it. It was the only camp available for 16. Oh, it was 20,000. We offered them 16. But when we got there, the couple that was selling was sitting. It was perfect. They, they knew how to sell it. They were sitting under the big wilga tree out the front. They had the German shepherd and the little card table. And they were playing cards and having a glass of wine. And they had a big fire happening. <laughs> I didn't even go inside. I went, yeah, this is it. You were sucked right in. Sucked in. <laughs> dim you know so there's the camp the first night we were in there I'm lying there and I'm going the walls are moving because it was half raw sandstone blocks concreted together and the top half is timber so and it was actually bigger than the duplex I lived in on the Gold Coast it was two bedroom kitchen sort of dining but the kitchen wall was just shade mesh so it was just out to the and my neighbours were all um pretty dodgy characters Mm -hmm. that's just another story and we had a list of old list of flywheel generator for power I really felt like I I felt like I wasn't from from this era at that I remember thinking then and I still think it now even though I can't claim to be a pioneer at all but I felt like a pioneer I really did. Yeah, I get that. So we're, it we're was in just the 1990s, aren't yeah. we? You know, that is pretty... It's, we've moved on a long way. I mean, 1990s, we didn't have the technology we have now. No, but you didn't have, like, big old listed... Yeah, they were... Well, I don't know. I didn't even know what a listed generator was. So, you know, it, to me, it was just crazy. And my family is still going... They came out to visit. We've actually got a funny little video that my brother-in-law took of me showing them around the camp. And I look at that now and I just go, oh, my gosh. What was I thinking? Yeah, that's, that's really out there. Kind of embarrassing, but I'm really proud of it because yeah. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for that. Oh, yeah. So the walls were moving first night. The first night I was lying there and I'm just going, the walls are moving. Put the torch, because we didn't have any power. Put the torch on the, on the wall and it was infested with centipedes. Oh, my God. And I have never, I didn't even know what a centipede was. You know, I'm from Melbourne, Gold Coast. The biggest thing in the Gold Coast were cockroaches. So, you know, centipedes, pink, pink and brown. This big, and they were all so running this through the rocks. For the podcast is about ten centimeters. <laughs> yeah, so about ten. Yeah, about no, 10 yeah, centimeters. anything from five to ten centimeters. Oh my and they were literally running through and in and out the cracks and crevices of the walls of my camp. And, and I freaked. So we the next well we didn't sleep, but then the next day we went to the supermarket and bought like roach bombs, but. 
50 roach bombs, let them all off, just stayed outside, and honestly, it was carnage. <laughs> there were there was the world's population of centipedes on the on the carpet. It was insane. I cannot imagine, and I don't want to be where you no. are. No centipede. No, no. I, <laughs> oh my god! Snakes, snakes in the in the camp. So we got into mining. We were mining full time. I by that stage we had a a, a whole. Um, set up of mining machinery, a blower, a digger. We became six successful miners. We found a lot of opal. Um, and I, by that stage then, I was then selling on the road full-time. Cutting and polishing and selling across Australia to jewellers, wholesalers, and anyone that wanted to see some beautiful beautiful gemstones and Australia's national gemstone and New South Wales national emblem, black opal. And amazing. So you gained, I'm sure, the respect from the local miners. I did. And I continue, I still buy, 30 years later, I still buy from some of the same miners when they're finding opal. I have, you know, loyal um, miners that come and see me when, when they're on opal. And, and even my ex-husband, when he finds Opal, he always contacts me first. Mm, it's, it's an amazing story. I'm, you know, truly, I take my hat off to you because I don't think I'm strong enough to be that person that you were. Mm. It's, it takes a lot of courage. It does. I think it, at the time, it, yeah, I'd never thought of it. Every day was just, to me, it was just like an adventure. And the days would just roll on. And, and often people would say to me, oh, or my family in particular, oh, like, when are you moving back? And, and I would hear myself say to them, as well as to fellow Opal people in Lightning Ridge, oh, yeah, I live on the Gold Coast. It was always there. And this was just an adventure. But I think for me, the day it became my home was when I divorced. And I, and the whole, I think my family and some people around me and even myself, I thought I'm a young woman, I was in my 30s, and just thought, oh, maybe I've got to leave now because you can't really be here on your own mm -hmm. and be a chick, you know? And... I, it was at that point that I started, after a year of just sort of turbulence in life, as it does, I, I thought, well, I've been here for 15 years. and It's a big part of your life when huge. you're that young. And, a, and my young, a lot of my young adult life, and thought, these, these people in this town and this gemstone are my family. And so I just thought, this is it. This is who I am. I can run this show. I can become, do this. I, don't, a part I can't of you. do it. I can do it on my own. And so I did. And I just stuck it out. So I saw that you were the president of the Australian Opal Centre. Mm. Tell me about that. So the Australian Opal Centre is an incredible project. It will house the equivalent of the crown jewels for Australia. Mm. So... Um, we find the most incredible opalized fossils here, opalized what we call yabby buttons, um, gastrolins, the ring, the ring yes, <laughs> the yabby button, um, dinosaur bone, lungfish tooth plates, 
um, mussel shells, freshwater, freshwater life, as well as beautiful pine cones, all preserved in precious opal. And they have been donated to the Australian Opal Centre. So they remain in the country and they remain for the, for the public to come and see. So we have famous architects, Wendy Lewin and Glenn Merkett. Mm-hmm. And we've already dug the hole and we're about to start building this incredible building uh, next year. Mm-hmm. I've been the past president twice of this association because... because uh, I'm addicted. <laughs> you know, I once you lick opal, you're addicted. So whatever you do, if you don't, don't want to be in it, don't, don't lick it. Lick it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I love opal. I love everything it stands for. It's ethically mined. It's one of the very few gemstones in the world that is not treated in the rough. So it's 100% natural in Australian opal. And this centre, a $34 million underground opal and fossil museum, will house our crown jewels. It's a wonderful story. And I was going to ask you what gets you up in the morning, but I don't have to. (laughs) I actually know you are completely and... Utterly opified. Yeah, I'm opified. <laughs> I'm opified. She's not a fossil. <laughs> she's, she just opalized. She's, well, too, she's opalized, but she will never be a fossil. She's too gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. But honestly, um, I think that it's been amazing to meet you and to hear this story. This is just a, a brilliant story of um, a life well lived, really. It's mm. a career... Here, in a beautiful, you've got this beautiful shop. Um, it's a boutique sort of shop for, you know, we were looking around yesterday going, I wish I could afford some of this. There's a pair of earrings over there. That goes, <laughs> and I'm going, oh, my God, Colin, I just love them. And um, Do you need um, another wine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but I will be back. Um, but honestly, I'm, there's so many things... I think what I really probably need to ask you, there's two things. How has Lightning Ridge changed since 1991? Mm. Yes. So when I came here, we we didn't really have any uh, fresh produce. We had a market once a week and you would just line up in the dusty dirt and a truck would come in. So, because our IGA, like we have now, that didn't exist. We had a very small supermarket somewhere downtown. I can't even remember. So, that for a start, we have an incredible IGA that... We went there. Yeah, that is just as good as anywhere in the big cities. And you can get international foods and fresh produce. We have What we also have is the most incredible community gardens where you make a donation and you've got the most unbelievable fresh greens. Um, we have a hospital Ooh, now. Yes, I've noticed. We never had a hospital. We just had the accident and emergency centre. So that is a huge plus. We didn't have a high school. So uh, just went to all through primary and the high school, the nearest one is Walgate, mm-hmm. whereas now we go all the way through to high school. Um I think, you know, in terms of aged care, there's uh, very good facilities now for aged care. Um, what else? 
Well, um, the main road in was not a paved road. Oh, that's right. There was still dirt road as you came into to town. Now it's all um, um, bitumen. bitumen. Also, the swimming pool. When I first came here, oh, we I had the, the yeah. The swimming pool is amazing. It's an Olympic swimming pool, and the town raised the funds for the swimming pool. Uh, one particular family, and now we have the indoor diving pool. I um, have. Heard about that next door, my where we're staying. It's incredible the competitions that they run. Yeah, we have um, swimming carnivals from all over Australia. They have they hold them in Lightning Ridge, so it's a huge draw card for us. Mm. You know, tourism. um, They stay here. They they all um, bring their swags, and we've got the sports centre. So we've got you know basketball courts and netball courts and the gymnasium, and so all of that has happened in the time that I've been here. Um, and also what I find really incredible is a lot of, when I first came, there weren't many young women and a lot of those young people have come back to Lightning Ridge. So their parents have, you know, paid a lot of money to give their kids a good education or, or take them away to boarding school or whatever. Those children, a lot of them have come back with a profession in, you know, nursing or teaching whatever the case may be, and they're working in Lightning Ridge. They want to be here. They want to be here with their families. They love the country life. So they've gone and got their qualifications and and looked for positions um, within the Shire, not just Lightning Ridge. And that's what I find really incredible about this town. Well, I think I mentioned to you yesterday that the history for me, and I feel a little bit drawn to this town because my grandparents were married here in 1911. That's wonderful. The Digbys. And uh, my aunt has been, my cousin has been doing a lot of research over the years and Barbara from the museum um, has, is being, is in contact with me. Um, There's some photos, they had a shop here. So there's a lot of history for me here. It's amazing. And uh, it's sort of coincidental, but you know, your roots are your roots. I, I, until 1987, I'd never been here, and I came here on an ABC um, Leaving Liverpool, the making of the series, the ABC series, and we filmed out of town on a um, big um, farm and uh, a homestead, and we flew in, 16 of us flew in on an aeroplane, and the rest of them came, the crew came in um, by all their vehicles and we filmed here for a week and wow. stayed and in those I all I, I can remember a lot of rotten egg gas smell oh uh, yeah that, the boar water yeah and uh, <laughs> I, I do remember and I said to Colin when we came here oh it smells a lot there but you know it's sort of gone <laughs> these days but it was it does have a lot of meaning this town and we've been riding around the last few days absolutely loving it and talking to people and I just have to say thank you for allowing me into your life. Thank you. You and Andrew. Um, it's a real privilege. Thank you. Yeah, we love it. <laughs> so Thanks for having us. Yeah, so <laughs> thanks from Aging Fearlessly, Story Room Oz. Um, everyone, this is Karen Sander, and I'm absolutely, I've loved this interview today. And Vicky Bokros, you're amazing. Andrew, thank you. Thank you. So this is it for today's program. It's time to say cheerio to the wonderful Northern Beaches community. 
Join me next week for another episode of Aging Fearlessly. And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week. And remember, aging is inevitable and growing old is a choice. The sun is shining bright outside. There's a sparkle in your eye. It's not all nine to five. It's a wonderful life. Let's go and climb mountains high. Swim across oceans wide. Let your heart